So often whenever we think about the subject of revival, we maybe confine it to the idea of national revival. That is God visiting a nation and God coming down in great power and drawing many, many precious souls unto himself. And we certainly pray for that and we long for a time like that again in this nation of ours whenever the Lord will rend the heavens and come down and make a thousand hearts his own. We desperately and certainly need national revival. And then sometimes you might think as well about local revival. If you're burdened for your district, your town or your community, you might be praying along those lines that the Lord will visit your locality and God will come and minister to your family and your neighbors and your friends and your colleagues and people that you rub shoulders with every day and we're thankful as well that down throughout church history we can look at times whenever God visits a local community And God pours out his spirit in maybe a hamlet or a town or a village or a county. And wonderful things happen. There is such a thing, yes, as national revival. Such a thing as local revival. And then we could also focus and pray for ecclesiastical revival. And that's something that we long for as well. Whenever God visits his church, and maybe God comes to a particular church or assembly, And pours out his spirit in an individual congregation. And God comes in in great power and stirs up his people to seek his face. And begins to answer their prayers and bring people into the local church assembly. And God begins to move in a local congregation. These things are vital and we long for national revival. And we would certainly be glad with local revival. And he would certainly settle as well for ecclesiastical revival. But whenever we consider revival, we ought also to think about personal revival as well. It's so important to think in terms of personal revival. Where we stand individually before God is absolutely critical. And I wonder tonight as you navigate your way through life on this earth, I wonder where you really stand before God. There's no doubt tonight that there are many in this building that love the Lord and we're thankful for that. But maybe you're here tonight and you've lost out with God and you're no longer in the place with God tonight that you maybe were five or ten or maybe twenty years ago. Robert Robinson was a tremendous hymn writer and he wrote that lovely hymn. It's number 195 in our hymn book. Come thou fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy praise. Streams of mercy never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise. And in the last verse of that particular hymn, Robert Robinson wrote down the words, Prone to wander, Lord I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, take and seal it. Seal it from thy courts above. And many years after that man of God wrote that hymn, he was traveling in a carriage through England. And sitting in the carriage, there were other people unknown to him, one of whom was a young woman who was a Christian, and she was reading a Christian periodical. And in that periodical, she came across the words of 
that hymn that I've just quoted and she began to talk to other people that were traveling in that carriage and she said, I wonder would you mind if I read out some words that I've been reading? They're beautiful words. And she read out the words of that hymn, Come thou fount of every blessing. And she read about the love of God. Then she got to the last verse, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. And sitting across the carriage, unknown to her, was the very author of that particular hymn, Robert Robinson. He got very emotional. He broke down and began to get very agitated. And whenever the carriage came to an end of its journey, they got out and she went over and she put her hand on his shoulder and said, Sir, I, I don't know you, but I, I didn't mean any harm. I didn't mean to be maybe brash or insensitive to the needs of others. And I'm sorry if I've said something that's offended you. Robert Robinson said to her, he said, you might not believe this, but I'm the man who wrote the words that you read. And I would love to be in the place with God today that I was all of those years ago whenever I wrote the words of that hymn. He had become a sense, a prophet of his own fate. He had wandered and drifted. And maybe tonight you need restoration as a Christian. You've lost out with God, but maybe tonight you'd be honest enough to admit that we all could do with a little bit of personal revival. The prophet Isaiah indicated that God is interested in reviving the hearts of individual believers. The Bible says there in Isaiah 57, 15, Thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Personal revival. And here in Psalm 138, God's servant David speaks again along the same theme of personal revival. He says at the beginning of verse number 7, Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. We're not sure as David wrote this psalm exactly what the circumstances of this psalm being written were. But we certainly know from verse number 7 that David was in a difficult situation and he was right in the midst, perhaps, of a fiery trial. He was walking in the midst of trouble. And maybe tonight that's you. You find yourself in this meeting and God knows your heart and he knows your circumstances in life and he knows your burden. And maybe tonight there's somebody in this meeting, and I'm sure in the law of averages there are maybe more than one. And tonight presently you're in the midst of trouble. And you're trying as best you can to Walk through it. Well, David had this expectation and this assurance that even as he was walking in the very midst of trouble, ultimately the Lord would come and would revive him. And so I want to speak for a little while tonight, very simply, upon the subject, personal revival in perilous times. Personal revival in perilous times. Though I walk in the midst of trouble... Thou wilt revive me. As we look at this verse, I just want to break it up very, very simply in bite-sized portions. You'll notice, first of all, in the opening words of our text, David here is speaking by way of personal consideration. 
The psalmist's personal consideration. Sometimes whenever we think about other people, we might look at others and say, well, there's a person who needs God. Or there's a person who could do with a little bit of reviving. Or there's somebody that needs restoration. Or there's somebody that needs mercy. Or there's somebody else that needs grace. And we've got a very, very real habit, don't we, of looking at others and considering others. And we think sometimes we know what's best for them. Well, here in our text of Scripture, David isn't really thinking presently about other people. David is thinking about where he is in life and where he is in relation to God. And he's very much speaking about himself. Sometimes, beloved, it's very important to take time to look at ourselves. Whenever James was writing his great letter, he said in the very first chapter that the word of God is like a glass or like a mirror. He says it shows us what we really look like. He says sometimes we look into the mirror of God's word and we see what we are and we see what needs to be looked at and what needs to be maybe changed or what needs to be tended to. But sometimes we close the Bible and we maybe leave a, a church service or a gospel meeting and we go on our way and we immediately forget what manner of person we are. So the word of God sometimes calls us to look at ourselves. Several times in the little prophecy of Haggai, God calls his people through the prophet to consider your ways. Jeremiah wrote in his journal, Lamentations 3 and verse number 40, let us search and let us try our ways and let us return unto our God. And the apostle Paul speaking on the context of the Lord's table said, let a man examine himself. The Bible calls us to search our hearts and try our ways and test our hearts and examine ourselves in the light of God's word. And here's David and he's thinking about himself. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. And you become immediately aware that David is considering where he is. Though I walk in the midst of trouble. David knows exactly where he is circumstantially. He's not in a good place externally. He's not on the mountaintop. He's not walking now beside the still waters or the green pastures that he spoke about in Psalm 23. David here is walking in the midst of trouble. And we're not exactly sure what that type of trouble was. But David knew where he was. And we must ever endeavor to discern where we are in the Christian life. And I wonder tonight, if you're honest, where you are in your walk with God. Remember shortly after Adam and Eve sinned against God and ate of that forbidden fruit and they went into the shadows in the garden and they hid themselves amongst the trees and they tried to hide from the presence of God. God came in the cool of the day, walking in the midst of the garden. He called out and said, Adam, where art thou? And maybe tonight in this meeting, that's the question that God is asking you. Where art thou? Where are you in life? 
Where are you in the Christian life? Where are you in relation to God? And in a similar sense, he came to the prophet Elijah. Whenever Elijah was so downcast and was praying that the Lord would even end his life, God said to him, What doest thou here, Elijah? Maybe God tonight is calling you to personal consideration. To consider exactly where you are. David was considering not only where he was, but David was assessing how he was. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Mentioned on Friday night that the word revive means to be brought back to life in a sense. Brought back to consciousness. Brought back to strength. And it seems here that David is acknowledging that whatever the trouble is that he's experiencing, that it's been dreadfully weakening. And maybe the vital signs of spiritual life are ebbing low. And David perhaps is feeling tremendously weak spiritually. And he's recognizing his, his need for strength, weak and tired and weary and lethargic. And again, I ask you in this meeting, is that you this evening? No longer really feeling strength in your soul. Maybe you've been disappointed in recent days and things are hard and you're finding your walk with God very, very difficult. The psalmist's personal consideration. Consider your ways. Where are you tonight spiritually speaking? Where are you in your walk with God? You'll notice not only David's personal consideration but look as well at David's problematic circumstances. Do I walk in the midst of trouble? And the word that is translated out of the original Hebrew that is translated trouble there, it literally means tightness. Do I walk in the midst of tightness? David is indicating that he's not enjoying any more much liberty. It seems that he finds himself now between a, a rock and a hard place. And there's literally nowhere to turn. He's been squeezed into a situation in his life and he's trying his best to walk in the midst of it. But there's really not much to look forward to perhaps. And it's very difficult to look to the left and to the right. And maybe as he looks back, he looks back through a, a veil of tears and perhaps the only way that he can look up to see God is to look heavenward. That maybe he even finds that difficult as well. I believe David was in a place of tribulation. That's really what the word trouble is indicating there. David is saying, though I walk in the midst of trial, in the midst of trouble, in the midst of temptation, in the midst of testing, in the midst of tribulation. I wonder, have you ever read the life of David in the Bible? We're not exactly sure what this trouble was that David was facing, but we know that David's troubles were many. Right from being a young lad in his teens as he went out to face Goliath and was despised even by his brethren and accused falsely by them and frowned upon by King Saul and then went out to fight this great giant Goliath and under God won the victory. And rather than his brothers and people coming and encouraging him, many of them were filled with jealousy. And later on in life, David fell into deep sin himself and lost out with God. And 
Later on, as his family were growing up around his feet, they began to rebel against him. And in the midst of all that, the responsibility of leading the children of Israel and constant battles outside the nation of Israel and enemies without and enemies within and then problems in his own life as well. Maybe tonight you're facing days of trouble. I believe in our nation there are days of trouble all around us. And perhaps for the church of Christ there are days of trouble ahead. But you might be facing trouble and tribulation on a personal level. There might be trials in your home. Difficult circumstances in your family. Hardships. And you hardly know what way to turn and you find yourself in a very tight place. You feel that you can't get out of it and you just wonder where it's all going to end. Maybe there's trouble in your mind tonight. Maybe trouble in your body. Maybe there's trouble spiritually speaking. Maybe it's unanswered prayer and you pray and you pray and you pray and there seems to be no divine intervention. Maybe tonight you're troubled with uncertainty or confusion. You can't understand why the Lord has you traveling a, a, a certain pathway. Maybe tonight it's loneliness or fear or maybe discouragement or depression. One old preacher was once remarking that the Christian's chief occupational hazards are depression and discouragement. Listen to a preacher years ago and he says a young Christian came to him one day and said, Pastor, what's the difference between discouragement and depression? He said about two weeks. And many people tonight, many good people, many Christian people are struggling with trouble of that nature. Cast down within their heart. Brought low within their soul. They find themselves like the psalmist asking, why art thou cast down, O my soul? You maybe don't even understand the reason for it. You can't put your finger on it. You've proved God before. God has never let you down. But you find yourself maybe tonight in the midst of trouble. David's tribulation. Notice also his situation. He says, though I walk in the midst of trouble. It's not that he's standing on the periphery of trouble thinking, well, I might be able to get around this somehow. He's not coming out of trouble and looking back over his shoulder or looking into the rearview mirror of life and saying, I'm, I'm glad that's over. He's not hovering over trouble and rising above his circumstances. David says here, I am in the very midst of trouble. Everywhere I look, there seems to be trouble in every direction. It's not just looming on the horizon. But right now, presently, I'm in the thick of it. And it's a very difficult place to be. And maybe it seems that there is no way out. It's like he's in the very eye of the storm. I wonder, have you ever been there? Maybe that that's where you view yourself presently. And it may be that circumstantially, there's very, very little to encourage you. And maybe there are things to encourage you, but because of the discouragements, you can't see the encouragements. It's like whenever I arrived here this morning and you've got this beautiful mountain range behind your church, you can see almost all seven peaks of the Mourne Mountains, but this morning you couldn't see any of them because there was just a, a thick blanket of low-lying clouds. 
And that didn't mean that the mountains weren't there, but the reality was you couldn't see them. And the hymn writer said, When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. And sometimes the clouds descend, don't they? And we wonder, where is God in it all? And sometimes we cannot trace God's hand. But we can always trust God's heart. In the Gospel of Matthew, in the 14th chapter, and in the 24th verse, the Lord has sent his disciples and told them to get into a ship and pass across to the other side. And he was going up into the mountain apart to pray. And they probably weren't even aware of that. And they entered into the ship in obedience to the Lord. He went up into the mountain to pray. He, evening was come. He was left there alone. And then the scripture says, But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. The Lord's up in the mountain praying. But the ship is now in the midst of the sea. Tossed with the waves and the wind is contrary. Right there in the midst of the Sea of Galilee. And I'm sure the disciples were wondering now. The Lord told us to enter into the ship and where is he now? We're in the midst of this trouble. And the wind is contrary and this, the waves are raging. And the, the ship is being tossed. And furthermore it's the fourth watch of the night. And all around us is darkness. And it's almost as if the Lord, as far as they're concerned, is aloof from them and unconcerned and maybe even uninterested and maybe even not aware of what's happening. But the Lord was in the mountain and he was praying. Friends, our Savior has ascended up on high into glory itself and has sat down at the right hand of God and he ever lives to make intercession for us. And in the midst of your trials, the Lord is interceding and the Lord is praying and ultimately the Lord will come. David has that assurance. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, David's tribulation, David's situation, David's determination, he says, though I walk in the midst of trouble. David isn't going to lie down. This is perseverance. David Livingstone once said, I will go anywhere. As long as it's forward. And here's David and he's not lying down to this trouble. David is endeavoring to continue to walk with God. The Bible says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of God, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And friends, whenever we stop walking with God, it'll not be long before we're walking in the counsel of the ungodly. Do you remember Peter? The word of God says that from the garden of Gethsemane, he began to follow the Lord afar off. And it wasn't long before Peter found himself walking in the counsel of the ungodly. And then he stopped walking altogether and he stood outside Pilate's judgment hall. And now he's standing in the way of sinners. And then it wasn't all that long before Peter was found sitting, warming his hands at the fire. And now he's sitting in the seat of the scornful. But David is purposed, I'm going to continue walking with God. The Bible says that Enoch walked with God. 
In the midst of an ungodly day and generation, Enoch walked with God. And friend, can I encourage you tonight, whatever your circumstances are, be determined that you're going to continue and keep on walking with God. Keep your eyes on the Savior in these days. Can I challenge you tonight, how is your walk with God? Whenever Duncan Campbell arrived in the little harbor and stored away in the Isle of Lewis to conduct what he thought was going to be a two-week gospel mission. The elders from the parish church at Barvis met him getting off the boat and walking across the gangplanks on the harbor and he was tired and weary and somewhat seasick and lethargic after a rough crossing. And the first question that those church elders asked Duncan Campbell was, Mr. Campbell, are you walking with God? Didn't ask him if he was saved or had he made good preparation or he had an ice crossing. Are you walking with God? What a challenge, what a question. I wonder tonight, are you walking with God? Even though you're facing trial and trouble and difficulty. David here speaks about his personal consideration, his problematic circumstances. But he also speaks here about his paramount concern. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. And David seems to be only concerned about his relationship with God. He doesn't say, Lord, would you take me out of this trouble? Would you put an end to this trouble? Lord, would you change my circumstances? David is realizing that it's more important what happens in him than what happens to him. And his paramount concern is that the Lord would meet him in a new way and that the Lord will revive him again. David is speaking here about something absolutely immutable. The word revive means to be kept alive, to be made alive, to really live. It's used numerous times in Scripture. And David is praying and saying, Lord, I'm in the midst of trouble. And Lord, my paramount concern is that you would come and revive me and touch my life afresh because Lord I feel so weakened and so brought low by this and I feel that my spiritual life is is ebbing low and Lord I need you to enter in and to keep me alive. We mentioned on Friday night that D.M. Payton the great preacher says revival is the inrush of new life into a body that threatens to become a corpse. And it's almost like the psalmist here is saying, Lord, if you don't step in and revive me, I feel that spiritually speaking, I'm going to die and lose all God consciousness and lose all of my strength. I wonder, do you ever have those feelings whenever you're facing trial? Something happens in your life, your circumstances, something happens in your heart, in your mind. And your thoughts begin to run away with themselves. And you begin to wonder, will I ever get through this? Maybe this is the end of the road for me. And like Elijah, you feel like just lying down and saying, it is enough, O Lord, take away my life. David could have said that as well. But instead he says, Lord, thou wilt revive me. Lord, revive this heart of mine. Remember Psalm 73? Truly God is good to Israel. Even the such as are for clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. It's easy to look around and see other people and look at the Israel of God and say, God is good and God has blessed so many others, but my circumstances are different. I feel that I'm struggling and my feet are beginning to slip and my feet are beginning to slide. 
About a year ago, I was visiting in the home of a couple that I knew from my childhood days. They'd been passing through very, very deep waters. They had a young daughter and she was very ill and in the process of time she passed away. As I sat in that home, that man just opened up his heart and says, you know, for seven years, I saw absolutely no light at the end of the tunnel. He even said that he had planned his own suicide and was going to end it all after this great tragedy came to an end. He just couldn't face it anymore. But then he said, you know, God just drew near and God met me in a new way. And he says, I still have hard times and difficult days and a heavy heart, but the Lord has revived me. And the Lord has met me in a new and in a special way. And friend, for him that was absolutely immutable. That was absolutely imperative. He needed God to come and revive in the midst of his trouble. And maybe this is a prayer that you need to re-echo and say, Lord, I'm walking in the midst of trouble. But Lord, would you come and revive me again and quicken me according to thy word. David is speaking as well, not just of something immutable, but he's speaking about something that's very individual. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. It's not my brother. It's not my sister, but it's me, O oh God, standing in the need of prayer. We can look at our land, we can look at our churches, we can look at other Christians, but friend, tonight, what about ourselves? What about your life tonight? What about mine? Do we not need personal, personal quickening and personal reviving? One last thing that I want you to notice, our time is gone. We've thought about David's personal consideration, David's problematic circumstances, David's paramount concern. But what about David's positive confidence? Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt, thou wilt revive me. Here's a man who knows the very heart of God. Because whenever David was a young man out there in the fields, God said, I have sought me a man after mine own heart. David knew the heart of his God. And David knew and believed that yes, there are trials and problems and difficulties in the life of the believer. But I know that my God is faithful. And I know that the Lord will come with healing in his wings. I have no confidence in my flesh. I'm lifting now mine eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. I can't revive myself. I can't lift up myself. I can't give strength to myself. But I believe in the divine ability. He believed that God would come with healing in his wings. In Psalm 143, the psalmist prays, quicken me. And the word for quicken is the same word that is translated here, revive. He said, quicken thou me according to thy namesake. Or quicken me for thy namesake. Lord, for your honor. And Lord, for your glory. And Lord, for your testimony. Lord, would you come and revive me again. And that's, friends, why we need to pray for revival in our churches and revival in our homes and revival in our hearts so that God's name might be glorified. And there's not only the why of personal revival, but there's also the way of personal revival. I challenge you tonight, if you're a scholar or interested in the Word of God, go home and take your Bible and read through Psalm 119. And every time you come across the little word quicken, 
Just study its context and you'll discover that God has means in his word for quickening and reviving the hearts of his people. For example, in Psalm 119, verse 25, the psalmist prays, Quicken thou me according to thy word. You know, revival is not some experience that you get mystically or some unusual just moving of God in your life, but revival personally comes whenever you get into the word of God and God begins to speak to you through his truth. Quicken thou me according to thy word. Psalm 119, verse 40, quicken me in thy righteousness. Lord, you're just, you're righteous, you're true, you're holy. And Lord, fulfill your promises in my life. Verse 88 of Psalm 119, quicken me after thy loving kindness. Lord, you love me. Lord, you're kind, you're gracious, you're merciful. And Lord, because of who you are, not because of who I am, Lord, will you come and revive me again? Verse 149 of that same psalm, quicken me according to thy judgments. And then there's also the way of personal revival. This is what the psalmist is speaking about here. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Whenever we realize our need of him, new trials and troubles and afflictions often just impress upon our hearts just how much we need him. If all were easy, if all were bright, where would the cross be? Where would the fight? But in the hardness, God gives to you chances of proving that he is true. Sometimes our troubles might be of our own making. We've got an awful habit sometimes of making a lot of problems and trouble for ourselves. Sometimes our troubles come independently of ourselves from outside and they, they work their way in. But whatever our needs are tonight and whatever your troubles are, realize that God is merciful. And like the psalmist here, you can call upon him. And whenever you humble yourselves, as it says in verse number 6, and you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, God can meet you in a new and living way. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Mentioned Duncan Campbell this morning. He's a man that I've listened to a lot of his sermons and I've read anything that I can get my hands upon about him. And this man of God in the, under the auspices of the faith mission had seen revival in parts of the highlands of Scotland and in the Isle of Skye as well. He had become very popular as a preacher and in Different years of his life and ministry now ordained to the United Free Church of Scotland. He was very popular as a convention speaker. And he said that because of that, pride had entered into his heart. He had seen God move. He had seen many souls saved. He had seen awakenings. He was popular as a convention speaker right across Britain. He says pride had entered into his heart. And also with pride, a sense of coldness. And he said that the thing was that I knew how to conduct meetings, I knew how to preach, I knew how to, I knew how to minister the word of God. And there was a lot of people that didn't notice that this coldness had entered in and I'd lost out with God. And he says, one day, sitting in my study, my daughter came in. She was just about 13 or 14, he said at the time. Her name was Sheena. 
And he was booked to speak that night at a great convention meeting. And the convention speaker was an old Keswick speaker, Dr. Tom Fitch. And that night the two men were going to share the platform and preach a sermon each. And as he was in the study with his books open, his daughter came in and she sat down beside him. And they began to talk and she just looked into his eyes and she says, Daddy, you've changed. And he said to her, what do you mean have changed? He says, Daddy, you've lost your glow. You're not the same daddy that you used to be. When was the last time you led a soul to the Lord? And he knew that she had seen a change in his life. No longer praying and living in the home in the secret place the way he once was. And he says, my heart was broken whenever she asked that question. He says, I went along to the meeting that night. And they sat on the platform and he says, I just sat there and prayed that God would allow me to get home safely. He says, I got home and I lit the fire in the living room and I just got down on my knees with my open Bible and he says, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed into the small hours of the morning and he just prayed that God would make again the marred vessel and the Lord would restore the years that the locusts had eaten. And he says, God met me that night in a new way. God cleansed me afresh and the Spirit of God entered in in a new way. And it wasn't all that long after that before he went to the Isle of Lewis and enjoyed three years of the Spirit of God's moving in that island. Maybe tonight you're in trouble. Might be troubles of your own making, but perhaps you realize more than ever your need for God to touch your life afresh. Why not call upon him just now in the closing moments of this meeting? Do business with God. And ask the Lord to revive. Ask the Lord to restore. Ask the Lord to renew. Pray that God will take you up and use you again for his glory. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt.